Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best, here as always with Sterling Holmes. And Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. How does it feel to be Super Bowl champions, everybody? Oh, na 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 na. Feels great, man. I mean, anytime you have a parade on a Wednesday in February, the weather it it is what it is. It's now freezing for February. It's great, man. I am doing outstanding. How are you? Fighting through a cold, but as happy as can be. I'm walking on sunshine. I do want to know with the uh, the make them say, uh, uh. So first you have Andy Reid name drop Master P. And then you have Travis Kelsey do this. What's up with the uh, callback to 1999? You know what I mean? <laughs> it was awesome, dude. Was I don't fun. even know. I mean, I don't know if they were or not. Mahomes looked like he had a uh, a few adult beverages in him when he gave his speech when he got on stage. The goggles sideways, the WWE championship belt that he's rocking, the beer in hand, and then Travis Kelsey going all in. I love Chris Jones taking the mic from Mitch Holtis. And, and in that situation, I don't blame Mitch Holtis one bit. He's trying to say, I have a script. Let me stick to it. Let me hold on to the mic. It's time to end this thing. And Chris Jones is trying to get it. He basically wrestles the mic away from Mitch Holtis. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I love how Chris Jones is even the closer at the Super Bowl parade party. He oh, just had perfect. to come in and finish things, you know? Oh, it was perfect, man. It's so much fun. I don't know if I love Run It Back being back again. Couldn't we have picked something new that didn't already fail? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm very superstitious about my Chief stuff. So uh, Three and five? How, how about that one? Three and five. Does that work? Three and five. Oh, you mean, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, no, it, it's it's so fun, man. Where we are at now is we're witnessing the prime years of Kansas City as Patrick Mahomes enters his prime. You heard Brett Veach. You heard Mahomes. If this is a retooling year, a reloading year, sign us up, especially as it ends in a Super Bowl. But I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor before we go any farther, Casey Beer Company. They are the best sponsor in the world, best beer in the world. Thanks to you guys you really made this partnership grow. It allowed us to partner with them and have our own beer, Arrow Red Lager. And again, thanks to you guys as well. We sold out not once, but twice. Seriously, the support that you guys have for us and for them is huge. They're a local company. You know, we're obviously a Kansas City based. We love the Kansas City Chiefs. You guys supporting us and supporting them means the world to us. We're not this huge conglomerate. That's not what we're about. It means the world. So thank you for your support. Uh, but Casey Bierko, if you've tried it, you know it is phenomenal. Dare to beer different. So this week, instead of hitting you with the same angle about the game over and over and over, 
we're going to do something different. So no awards, no hot take kingdom. What we're going to do instead is a new segment called the top 10 Chiefs performers from the Super Bowl. What do you think about that, Sterling? I love it. Ready to rattle these off? Let's do see it. What the, uh, see what the chat thinks? Let's do it. Number 10, Brett Veach's rookie class. I think it was nine rookies. Does that count seem, seem right to you? I think they said 10. I thought I they said 10 say- too, but I counted and I was like, well, who's the 10th? Because we have uh, the four guys in the secondary. Yeah. Karloftis, Sky Moore and Pacheco. Then we have Nazi Johnson. Who am I forgetting? I'm going to say it's Nazi Johnson. They do Le- Leo Chanel. Leo, Leo Chanel. Chanel. And that's as far as I can get is nine. I can't come up with the 10th one. So I think maybe he misspoke. You know what? Doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> there, there's so many. There's so many rookies we can't we can't even uh, count them. You know, and they scored two touchdowns and recorded a sack. And in the AFC Championship, they came up huge with those interceptions. So one of these top performers had to be not just the rookie class, but the man who who brought them to Kansas City, Brett Veach. I mean, seriously, Brett Veach and Howie Roseman, this entire offseason, they did it two different ways. Howie Roseman, some through the draft, yes, but Howie Roseman did it through bringing guys in, through signing guys, through trades, while Brett Veach did it a different way. It was trades, but it was trading away Tyreek Hill, right? That's what this offseason was about. It was about the retooling. It was about not just winning this year, but winning for the future. Brett Veach deserves a ton of credit. I like how calm and collected he is when you saw him take the mic it's not in his nature to be travis kelsey that's not his nature his nature is to be very calculated and that's what his entire offseason was it was a calculated move to get better now and for the future we saw the speed we saw the game plan come together and we saw the rookies make an impact we heard about the rumors that they could have traded tyree kill for the 10th overall draft pick but the thought process behind it was all right we get one guy at 10 But then what happens? Let's get a guy at 21, get a guy later on, get multiple chances to get some impact players because there's other holes we need to fix. Well, guess what? His philosophy paid off, and it paid off in huge dividends. Brett Veach, here is to you. It did, and he he didn't want to be the Vikings who traded Randy Moss for a bust. I can't even remember who the receiver they picked. I can't remember his name. That's how big of a bust he was. It just I just lost it. But the great thing about this rookie class is I think there was sort of agreement across the NFL media scape that this uh, trade would ultimately pay dividends down the road two, three years from now. But it immediately paying dividends. The consensus was, hey, they're going to take a step back because of this Tyreek trade for a year or two. And they got better. There's just no way to say they didn't get better because they won the Super Bowl Last year, they didn't even make the Super Bowl. So, uh, Shout out to Lucas. Darian Kennard didn't play, but Jack Cochran, undrafted free agent, did play on special teams. Shout uh, out to Lucas. Heads up play there, Lucas. Yeah. Um, speaking of special teams, number nine is special team aces Jody Fortson and especially Marcus Kemp for the work they did on the longest punt return in Super Bowl history from Kadarius Toney. Uh, just both unsung heroes. Uh, Kemp, I think he essentially took out half the team because he hit 
God, what's the guy's name? Edwards. And Edwards kind of took out uh, Darius Harris. And then like three other guys fell. It was like bowling, right? And then he hits another guy and throws himself into the third guy. And Jody Fortson's just cleaning somebody's, uh, some guy's clock at the very end. Just a really impressive. It reminded me of those uh, Dante Hall special teams with Mark Bo Richter and all those guys. Even, even kind of what Kadarius did, it was human joystick-like, right? That return was incredible. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like they said on the broadcast that was the longest return, punt return, in Super Bowl history. That's right. 65 uh, yards. Yeah, that that's phenomenal. Great it's job. It's hard to, to believe. It's but, not but. just Kadarius Tony. You have to have guys blocking up front and special team aces. you right to mention them. Jody Fortson and Marcus Kemp. Uh, first off, these two dudes have fought very hard to find a spot on the roster. They've gone through major injuries multiple times in their career. Jody Fortson, we know he was struggling to, to go from practice squad to the active roster. He got hurt multiple times. But finding a, a way to make an impact in the Super Bowl has to feel so good for him. And then Marcus Kemp, special teams in every sense of the word, and then gets called up in the AFC Championship game, comes up with a massive catch. But then in the Super Bowl, you're right. Marcus Kemp was going back and forth from practice squad to, to uh, this active roster. Who knows if he's on it, if Chris Lamont's is on the team. No one knows for sure. He might not even be on the roster. Thank you, Cincinnati. Uh, and Marcus Kemp, too. I've had the chance to play basketball with him before, and he is just a down-to-earth, great guy. Just, just so humble, so kind. I'm so glad to see success for Marcus Kemp as well as Jody Fordson. I'm very glad you gave them the credit that they uh, so rightfully deserve. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think they epitomize what it means to be a chief. It's easy to sit here and look at Mahomes and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, but the culture of this franchise, down to the custodians and the ball boys, everybody is on the same page. Everybody believes. Everybody is doing everything they can to stay in that building and keep this franchise on top. And I just think these two guys really represent that. Uh, and, and by the way, really quickly, Marcus Kemp is 27. So we're not talking about a rookie. We're not talking about a guy um, – you know, who's on a rookie contract while Marcus Kemp's not making a lot of, a lot of money. He's stuck around because of his dedication. He's 27. You don't see a lot of special team aces. In my opinion, you look around, they're probably these, these rookies, younger dudes, but Marcus Kemp is still doing the dirty work, even at 27. 
he's not too proud. And that's what makes it so special. Speaking of culture and people in the building, number eight is Rick Burkholder's training staff with a, a special hat tip to Rihanna. They somehow kept Mahomes upright and able to play and able to play well throughout the entire playoffs was a bit of a minor miracle. And then Rihanna. So why, why Rihanna? Well, halftime was half an hour. And if you recall, Mahomes gets hurt right before, right before halftime kind of scrambles and gets his ankle rolled up on he's limping. If you've seen the footage visibly audibly in pain on the sideline, but in the second half, I don't know what they shot him up with or what kind of tape job or what they did in the locker room, but he was good to go. It was a good call by you. They need this credit. Rick Burkholder, he's known around the league, especially here in Kansas City, for what he does to the players, getting them ready. It's not the Chargers. You're not looking around and seeing just a plethora of injuries. I think part of that has to be a hat nod to Rick Book, Rick Burkholder and his training staff. Uh, I like your little Rihanna shout-out as well. The extra-long halftime performance gave Mahomes time for that to get worked on. But if you ever dealt with a high She wore red, friend, too. She, she wore red. red. She, was, she was Team Chiefs. Come on. She was Chiefs Kingdom through and it's through. It's obvious. But with Mahomes and the high ankle sprain, part of that's also him, and it has to be what his training – regimen is because if you've had a high ankle sprain you don't just move like that especially if you re-injure it in a game that's what blew my mind I didn't think he was going to run at all when he was running on the play I'm sitting here yelling don't do it don't do it you're not going to get there either way it's not worth it but he's such a competitor he was going to try anything possible in that game but kudos to the to the training staff, kudos to Mahomes and his ankle, to Rihanna, as well as Rick Burkholder. And Julie Freimeyer, the physical therapist who basically like moved into the Mahomes residence to keep him going. I just want to single her out too. Next up, this will be fun. Juju Smith-Schuster. So seven catches for 53 yards doesn't sound impressive, but I thought during crunch time, he stepped up huge and became the possession receiver opposite Travis Kelsey that the team needed. You wear a kilt to the Super Bowl. You have to show up. That Those are the rules, right? I agree with that. I mean, he wore a kilt and he kilt the Eagles defense. I, Judas Smith-Schuster wasn't a... Connor's proud of you for that one. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt Connor, he's thrilled right now. The, the puns are, are strong. No, but but Judas Smith-Schuster, the numbers don't jump out at you, but he was obviously influential. He was wide receiver one. Um, seven catches were, were, were huge, made a few big plays, j- just moving the chains. He was a hell of a signing. You look at his contract, I think it was, what, 3.2 or what, whatever it was. It was basically the veteran's minimum when he got his incentives, because he hit every single incentive, it ended up being close to $9 million this year for the total contract. He got a million for the Super Bowl. What a bargain. What a bargain. Under $10 million for Juju Smith-Schuster, including all the incentives, is is just outstanding. And what uh, about the acting job on, on the sideline over there and that little – I don't know if I'd call it a trick play, but you know what I'm talking about? Which when one? He, when he was acting confused. 
You don't remember this? That's, that's why he practices on TikTok. He, he and Travis Kelsey do this sometimes. Uh, but now we got to get to uh, extra credit for drawing the crucial penalty on James Bradbury and sending this, in my opinion, amazing Valentine's Day card that he tweeted. I'll hold you when it matters most. I love the route. I hate that tweet. Why? I hate that tweet. It's funny. I get it. And he, he probably didn't make it. He probably saw it, thought it was funny. It is funny, but don't, it, don't be a boomer. Come on. You win the Super Bowl. I'm, you I'm get, you, bo- you get all, a top trash dog. Yeah, I get it. But if, if it was against Eli Apple, the Bengals talk your shit. I love it. But against the Eagles, and James Bradbury, who James Bradbury owned up to that like a man for 20 minutes post-game, the biggest one of the biggest plays of the game. And he has to sit there knowing that falls on his shoulders, didn't pass the buck off, didn't put blame on anyone, didn't say it was the refs. He put it on himself. Don't take a shot at that dude while he's down. I, I get it. You have the right to talk it. You won. I'm all for it to an extent. If it was the Bengals, if they were talking, if James Bradbury came out and James Bradbury was talking about, that wasn't a hold, I didn't do it, horrible call by the ref, then yeah, talk it, Juju. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. I don't like it. The Eagles lost classy. The Chiefs have won classy. But this thing by Juju, that was a little tasteless. I mean, this isn't this isn't politics or something. I, I don't understand. Football is entertainment. You win the Super Bowl, you get a you know you get to beat your chest a little bit. When Antoine Winfield flashed the peace sign, hey, but that's a little different. You get to do that's it, man. You get to do it. You're, you're my problem with the Bengals talking trash is they haven't won anything. They don't have any Lombardies, never in their history, and they act they were acting like they were a dynasty. I think when you get to the mountaintop, you know you get to bark a little bit. It's all fun. It's not like he like he said something about his wife or kids or. The no, way it looks, it, it no. just, it, it was, it was harmless. It was harmless. It, it, I think it makes the sport more entertaining in my opinion. And AJ Brown is the last person that, that should chime in. Every time that guy te- uh, catches a touchdown, he's doing the too small. He's pointing at people. Come on, dude. No, I get it. It's a minor thing. I'm not saying that I'm like clutching my pearls over here. I'm not saying this is a massive deal. I just prefer that he wouldn't have done it again. That's my preference. He has the right to talk his shit because you won the Super Bowl. I get it. It just comes off a little tasteless when you do it against a dude who's having the the worst moment in his NFL career and he owned up to it like a man. That's all I'm saying. If it's against the Bengals and Eli Apple, I'm all for it. I'm all for that. Let's get to something we can agree on. It definitely was a hold. And I just have such a huge issue for the way I, I said this the other night. Greg Olson covers it irresponsibly. The, um, the, the crew, they did not show the right angle where you could clearly see the jersey tug. Let's take a look at that. It, it is so obvious, this jersey tug. I mean, look at that. He's got a handful of white right there. And this, this opinion that in the last two minutes, referees have to swallow their whistles. Is there like, you know, the movie, The Purge? Is that what's supposed to happen in the last two minutes of of a game where anything goes? Because you don't, I mean, what about the other? It just makes no sense to me. The the rules are the rules, no matter what time of game it is. Also, think about this. 
James Bradbury did the same thing to Juju earlier on third down. It kills a drive. If that happens, Juju, Andy Reid, they're in the, they're in the referee's ear. So maybe they're watching for it. You know, maybe you should have saved that hold. Yeah, it, it was D Ford then no longer offsides because it's close to the end of the game. Like it's the same situation. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Again, it wasn't a a, a magnificent penalty, right? It wasn't just something extremely blatant, but it was a hold. He may have gotten away with it too, but he did it twice. Uh, wide receiver JJ Burden actually was posting about it, saying it wasn't just the first time. You may get away, get get away with it but it was the second pull of the jersey. You're going to throw a flag every single time. The refs, when they talked about it post, basically came out and said, there was no question in our minds. It wasn't like we had to gather around and decide was or was it not a penalty. They were like, no, this was a clear and obvious penalty. There was no second thought for them. That should say everything. Uh, Again, James Bradbury, he admitted to it. They obviously have taken it on the chin. They're not complaining about it. Nick Sirianni. Jason Kelsey, Hassan Reddick, they've all done a nice job saying it wasn't just that one call. Uh, don't blame the refs. Maybe don't get torched the entire second half. If your defense is that good, don't just get torched. So they've handled it well. And I think for the most part, this has been a national media driven issue, if, 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 I, if well, you the, will. The Bengals crying about, and their fans crying about the referees for a couple of weeks certainly didn't help the narrative. Sure. Sure. And frankly, Carl Sheffers, I think, called a good game. I said in the first half, I was like, am I actually going to give Carl Sheffers credit right now? Let's and I- not get carried away. I mean, I don't think the officiating was 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 necessarily great, but I don't think it was decisive for one one team or another. I, personally, I didn't think Dallas Goddard caught that ball. I, I had a real big problem with Lane Johnson not getting called for a false start, but Orlando um, Brown getting called for the exact same thing. Uh, so I thought there were some inconsistency problems and that might be really what the uproar about the holding is because they, they really weren't calling that kind of call. Um, but winners when real winners don't talk about the refs. And, uh, I do appreciate that from the Philadelphia franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, you mentioned their defense getting torched Isaiah Pacheco, a big part of that torching. He's a guy who always has his fire lit. The Chiefs averaged 2.55 yards before contact per rush against that stout Eagles front. I think the hard-nosed running style Pacheco is something that the old finesse Chiefs just so desperately needed. And changing the line to a more like Mahler unit, bringing in uh, receivers you can really block, all that's fine and, and dandy, but you really have to have that back that that can sort of um punish defenses yeah so i i think he runs like someone just cut him off in traffic every time he gets the ball just road rage (laughs) right up the middle right every time he gets up i'm nervous he's about to throw hands with someone because he gets up like he's looking for a fight but no he's trying to be a gentleman and a great sport and give the ball directly back to the referee Isaiah Pacheco, I heard that one time he ran like he was angry at the ground. I think it's a great way of putting it. We'll we'll obviously talk about the offensive line, I'm sure, later on in the show. But Isaiah Pacheco, just phenomenal job. Isaiah Pacheco, 
this is what this team needed. You're completely right. The physicality he brings is game-changing. If he learns to pass protect better, uh, become more elusive as a pass catcher as well, sky's the limit. Again, seventh rounder going back to number 10, which was Brett Veach and his free agents and, and rookie class that he brought in. Uh, I like John F's wacky world as Pacheco runs like an antelope out of control. <laughs> but I mean, Isaiah Pacheco delivers the pain. He's not Derrick Henry, but he has a little bit of his running style, right? Where he's the guy trying to deliver the hit, not take the hit. CJ Gardner Johnson got him once. Give credit where credit's due. I mean, he laid him out. I thought, oh, bleep. That's a broken collarbone. He's going to be out for the rest of the game. A rib or something. For something. Couple plays later, what's going on? Pacheco right back in the game, icing it away. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, here's to you. Yeah, and he reminds me of—I don't know if you guys remember Ahmad Bradshaw. Yeah, for the and Giants. Marion Barber, those guys <laughs> that run bigger than they are. That Josh did, Jacobs, not Josh Jacobs. Um, who is who is the uh, huge dude? Brandon uh, Jacobs. That, the six four running back for the Giants. Yeah, two hundred sixty yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Brandon Jacobs. He's like he's basically Derrick Henry, but not fast. <laughs> so, um, but I've heard so many good like jokes about how he runs. One was like he's got a receipt or toilet paper stuck to his foot. Uh, <laughs> to me, he just seems like the kid at at a, like a um, a sleepover or something who had too much Mountain Dew. You know, he's just <laughs> always or 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 like uh, Verderam pounding that Mountain Dew for everyone who was here last week. Um, it, it's it's Verderam when the Chiefs play bad and he comes on a halftime rant and he's doing a all-time Verderant. That's what Pacheco runs like. But physically instead of mentally and emotionally. <laughs> Let's move on to number five, and that is wide receiver slash punt returner Kadarius Tony. The Chiefs were down a touchdown until the Joker introduced some chaos, right? He came in, scored on that great play that they're calling corn dog. Andy Reid says there's nothing better than a corn dog with a little with a little mustard and ketchup. And you gotta love how those are those are the Chiefs colors. And then they get a stop, they punt. I think it was their backup punter I heard. He was trying to do this tricky thing where it looks like the coverage is going to go one way and he kind of darts a punt the other way. And the problem with that with most returners if that would have been, um, I'm trying to think, what's his name back there? Uh, Watson. If that would have been Justin Watson back there, that would have been a brilliant play. But you've got Kadarius Tony, who's basically, you know, a freaky alien back there. He does the Dante Hall kind of go backwards and reverses the field. And that wall that we talked about earlier was just set up for him. And Veach, again, this is going to kind of be the Brett Veach show today. He has to get so much credit for this because without McCall Hardman in the Super Bowl, and really, let's be honest, uh, he didn't do much in the postseason. So without him, we really needed somebody with a similar skill set. And uh, Tony was the guy that he brought in with the big midseason trade. Yeah, thank you, Giants. Thank you. You're so kind. Hey, they, they, it wasn't altruism. They did it because they were thinking ahead, 40 chess. They knew we were going to beat their rival in the Super oh, Bowl. 
Smart. See, Brian Dable goes, at any cost, beat the Eagles. At any cost, we'll give you Kadarius Tony. But you're right, not just the punt return, but that play call, which, by the way, that was that was an Andy Reid master class. The play call partly works because of Kadarius Tony, because of his speed, because of what he brings to the table. You put you or me back there. Or, I, I, Justin Watson's also very quick, but you put um, someone else – they might not have the same respect, but Kadarius Tony is so quick and so fast. He's able to get that separation and then high step into the end zone. Kadarius Tony, you're right. He was the McCall Hardman fix, maybe then some. I like McCall Hardman a lot. I'm not trying to take a shot at him by any means. I feel awful, horrendous that he got injured. But you look at Kadarius Tony and what he brought to the table. It's that next level speed, the shiftiness, the playmaking ability. If you look at the snap count, he was hardly on the field. But anytime he was on the field, he made a difference. An entire offseason to get healthy, hopefully get those hamstrings right. An entire offseason to get the playbook under his belt. I mean, watch out. Sky is really the limit for Kadarius Tony. I better see that snap count increase, or I'm going to have a Verdurant myself. I got it. I got to see that. I just don't understand. Every time he touched the ball in the Super Bowl, something big happened. So, I, I don't get it. Speaking of something big happening because they were on the field, let's move on to number four. Linebackers, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. I'm just beaming talking about these guys. And it's not just Nick Bolton with the throwback to the uh, Andrew uh, Locke or the Drew Locke. Let's get those guys confused. Andrew Luck and Drew Locke. They are very different. As a Mizzou fan, I will tell you this much. I really wish Drew Locke had Andrew <laughs> Luck's career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. So uh, it wasn't just the the scoop um, touchdown, which, by the way, Jalen Hurts didn't just spontaneously combust and, and have a brain fart and drop the ball. It was because Nick Bolton sniffed that out and jumped on the play and saw what was coming, and, and he panicked. And dropped the ball. And that was one of those uh, no, 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 yes moments. But I thought from the jump, Gay and Bolton, they came out hitting. And they they were tr- uh, tone setters out there. You know, they let those running backs and their teammates know that this was going to be an uh, incredibly physical game. And if you think you can just run down their throats, you can't. So the league's best rushing attack averaged negative 0.26 EPA per play on running back rushes. That That's atrocious. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Gainwell or Sanders. They just could not get anything going and had to rely really solely on uh, Jalen Hurts' legs to get any traction for the running game. The other thing that stands out from our linebackers, that blitz from Willie Gay, that caused the only way they were punting is if you got them uh, a fourth down inside their own, like, what, 30? It's really hard to to stop a team that's going for it on fourth and five or fourth and six every time. So we had to pin them back to make them punt, and we did. And Spags dialed up a great blitz, but he executed. Yeah, Willie Gay Jr., I said early on in the season against the Denver Broncos of all teams, it was actually the game after their head coach was fired. They were rolling out Russell Wilson a lot in that game. But Carlos Dunlap stood out because Carlos Dunlap was the guy who was not rushing directly at Russell Wilson, but you stay in the passing lane, you get closer, and eventually he has to to throw the ball away. Well, Willie Gay Jr. must have learned from Carlos Dunlap because we saw here. 
I don't know if he got that from watching Dunlap or not, but it was very reminiscent to me. Jalen Hurts in space is going to beat Willie Gay Jr. one-on-one. Realistically, that's probably going to happen. So instead of Willie Gay Jr. just rushing completely, pinning his ears back and going for him, stay in the passing lane, make Jalen Hurts throw the ball out of bounds. That's what happened. They proceeded to punt. It's a little thing, but it's a very important thing. Uh, Leo Chanel obviously had a great game as well. Give a shout-out to him. But Nick Bolton, my goodness, he had a legitimate case for Super Bowl MVP. Now, I understand that ball popped into his arms for a touchdown, but not just that play. The entire game, he read the RPOs correctly almost every single time. That was massive. For a guy who at times overthinks, takes a second too long. He didn't overthink in this one, especially on a field that was slick as shit. I mean, that field was, they were ice skating, but Nick Bolton was not. That's really important to notice as well. There's no excuses from, from Nick Bolton. There, there was no slippage. He knew where to be, and he was there. The kind Nick of kid Bolton he is. ton of credit. The kind of kid he is, he was probably studying the field, you know, had tried different <laughs> kinds of cleats on. He's just so smart and so diligent, just incredibly proud of him. I know he is a fan favorite. And par- partially because of the way he plays, but also because he went to uh, nearby Mizzou. Hey, he, he, he gave a shout out at the parade? Because a lot of times he doesn't say, uh, you know, University of Missouri or Mizzou in his pregame introduction, right? And they go on the screen. But he gave a shout out to Mizzou. He gave an M-I-Z before he gave the mic away. So got to give a shout out to my uh, Mizzou guy, Nick Bolton. Your Tiger brethren. Uh, there we go. Let's move on to number three. Instead of singling any of these guys out, we're going to go the entire offensive line. So leading up to the game, all we heard was the Chiefs had no chance of stopping Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, the rest of those guys. They go, what, seven, eight deep with really good pass rushers. The Birds had 70 sacks. That's the most since the Minnesota Vikings in 1989. It's a long, long, long time. And of course, the interior played great. We know Tooney and Creed are, are going to be as good as any lineman in the league, right? And Trey Smith is, is solid himself. But I think what we really need to talk here about here and who we have to give credit to is Orlando Brown, and I would say especially Andrew Wiley, played the game of their fucking lives. They really did. And, and, uh, They did all these guys. They wore the zero sacks shirt to the parade. Look at them right here. And they absolutely deserved it. They gave up off the top of my head right here. Three sacks the entire postseason. Zero to the Jags. I think it was technically three to the Bengals. And zero to the vaunted Philadelphia Eagles. I think that three had something to do with the, the ankle. Sure, sure, sure. 100% it did. Andrew Wiley stonewalled Hassan Reddick the entire game. Orlando Brown Jr., for all the talk about what he did early in the year, progressed very nicely. And since that uh, injury to Mahomes' ankle, the offensive line really stepped up. Those tackles were going to have a their hands full the entire game, and they handled it. I know you can make the excuse that the field was poor, but in the words of Hassan Reddick, both teams played on that field. 
The offensive line of Kansas City dominated not just in pass protection, but running the ball. It had a good reason why Isaiah Pacheco was finding running lanes the entire game. Chiefs ran for 6.1 yards per carry. They were dominant. They deserved to wear that zero sack shirt. Own it. I love that when they yelled, put it on a shirt. A couple days later, guess what? It's on a shirt. I just like seeing the offensive line do what they did when the entire storyline heading into this game was how they were going to get beat. They didn't get beat. Yeah, they were building Hassan Reddick, who I think is a nice player. He's not an 18-sack-a-year player. He got a lot of coverage sacks. He got a lot of cleanup sacks. Good player. He's not Reggie White. Excuse me. I thought each of these guys had some spectacular moments. I mean, there was a a moment where Andrew Wiley just punched, just popped uh, Hassan Reddick back. Uh, There was a moment where, I think the first play, talk about a tone setter, Creed Humphrey pulls and just levels somebody right in their ass. Trey threw somebody down. Um, Orlando Brown had some great runs. I don't know if you saw him flexing out there after one of them. Uh, they, they were feeling it, man. They were in, in the zone, so to it, speak. We'll talk more about what the offseason brings from Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley and what this offensive line looks like. We have a lot of time till next year, but Orlando Brown Jr. got him some money from this performance as well as Andrew Wiley. Shout out to them. Uh, I want to hit a couple comments really quickly. And uh, Angry, drunken German. First off, shouts to you for always being here. Every single stream, every podcast, you're always um, – very generous with your time. Uh, you say it's obvious these guys look at running the football like getting donuts at work. It's a treat. They love it. I think it's a very good point. Offensive linemen, everyone we've talked to, we've heard from, they always prefer to run block rather than pass block. There's something about the physicality of it. They enjoy it. I think it's a good point. Uh, and then Chris says Creed Humphrey is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's so good at a young age. Good point. I think if you had to pick one rookie or at least one second-year guy or younger, to be a Hall of Famer on this Chiefs team. We, we know about Mahomes. We, we know about Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, right? I think you can make the case for Creed Humphrey. Year two, he's already easily a top-two center. And you can make the case for one. Him yeah. and Jason Kelsey are one and two, one A, one B. You don't just see that or just get that. When he came into the NFL, he was going to be known as a really good center, but we didn't know about the upside. We thought he was going to be not necessarily a finished product, but what was the upside? He's already surpassed what anyone thought. Creed Humphrey, come on, man. Crush those Boulevard wheats that you were – they may have even been Boulevard wheat 100, calo- cal- wow, 100 calories. He may have been looking at his figure. Hey, he's looking good with the mullet and, and the, <laughs> the drip. He's got to keep that going. The same thing, uh, the book on Nick Bolton was exactly the same. Yeah. Going to be a good player, but we don't know what the ceiling is. And it's really exciting to see both these guys immediately surpass what people thought the ceiling was for them. Yeah. Flapjack City, Eagles need to hire more Denver coaches. Good call. Vic Fangio. <laughs> Here's a tip. When you bring on a consultant to do something for you, make sure they've done. They've actually done what you're hiring them to do. You don't hire the guy who's never beat the Chiefs to beat the Chiefs. Speaking of coaches, number two, this is a combo package here. Andy Reid, and we cannot leave out Steve Spagnuolo. I know the Eagles scored a lot of points, but I thought Jalen Hurts 
played the game of his life. A.J. Brown is an absolute dog. Devontae Smith is good. That line, the job they did on, on Chris Jones and the rest of our the rest of our pass rush, which was number two in the league in sacks, number four in the league in pressures, they did an incredible job. And in the first half, it was worrisome. But he found a way to dial up the right things down the stretch. They didn't panic. They made halftime adjustments. And he got home a couple times. Um, I thought Sirianni and his staff kind of outcoached them in the first half. But I don't think they made offensively made adjustments. And Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, definitely got outcoached by Spags down the stretch. Yeah. First with Andy Reid. The two touchdowns to Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony were two of the best play calls I have ever seen. They weren't were, they a mirror of each other? Weren't they both corn dog? Corn dog and, and reverse corn dog? And the thing was, the rumor I think I saw was that Sky Moore was actually on the wrong side of the field, but it ended up working. Mahomes had it made it work. But Andy Reid called a perfect game. Even the challenge. The challenge, I don't think, was a bad challenge. I, I still don't know if Dallas Goddard caught that ball. I also think the decision to kick the field goal, obviously looking back, you're sitting here going, go for it, go for it, go for it. I don't have a huge issue either way. I didn't think it was one of those situations where you have to go for it. I would have preferred him to go for it, but I don't think it was a horrendous decision. You're trying to get Harrison Bucker some confidence in the same stadium, different field that he originally hurt himself. I, I understand the thought process there. But in the second half, Andy Reid could do no wrong. He stuck with the run for maybe the first time in his career. Andy Reid stuck with the run. Yeah, that happened. And then Steve Spagnolo, first half, um, again, probably got out coached against Sirianni. The offense for the Eagles had a great game plan. They made it work. But second half, Spags adjusted. All season long, this has happened. First half, he lets him play. And then second half, he adjusts. He adjusted 11 points. Steve Spagnuolo is a big game coordinator. He's a big game coordinator. This is why you bring him in. He got it done. He's the best when it counts. And his defenses always progress as the season goes along and they peak in the playoffs. And that's what you want. I think he, he both he and Reed, they save some cards up their sleeve for when it really counts. Uh, there's a comment here that I, that I can't keep a straight face because of from angry, drunken German is reverse corn dog. Something you can say on YouTube. We <laughs> man you're killing me. Um, gosh, lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I, I disagree with you on, on Andy Reed, not going forward on fourth and two or fourth and three or whatever it was. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have to trust him. And the other thing is, you, have to, you just have to recognize that other teams, especially this team, which is the most aggressive team in the NFL on fourth down, and if it's fourth and two, just move the chains. Just give them the first down. That, that, that rugby um, scrum quarterback sneak is unstoppable. You, you have to match their aggression. And teams play so aggressive against the Chiefs. It just kills me. It's, it's like the only thing about Andy Reid that's not forward thinking is his philosophy on fourth down. But I, I want to give him shots, um, um, props, because they said Andy Reid couldn't establish the run. They said Andy Reid could not manage the clock. And what did Andy Reid do to win the game? 
He did both of those things. So I think in terms of a legacy game for him, the way he won, like reimagining this vertical Chiefs offense as, as kind of dork ball, like dinking and dunking and being more physical than finesse, I, I think Andy Reid had to take a long look in the mirror at that beautiful mustache. Uh, maybe even, I don't know if it beats Sterling's, but it, it's a, it's a close contest. Um, and he's, he had to think like what we're doing is not working. We have to reinvent ourselves. And, and don't you think the reinvention was just what the doctor ordered Sterling? It really was. He, he learned from the Bengals game last year. That's why I take this as, is he learned it was a redemption story all season long for guys, for Sky Moore, uh, you know, the punt returns and having that. Kadarius Tony from the Giants to here. This felt like a redemption story all season long, capped off with Andy Reid finally running the ball. By the way, I love the name Joe Brony already. Joe Beautiful. Brony, Kansas City hosting the draft is going to be awesome. It's going to be a three-day victory lap. It's so true. We have so many more events happening in Kansas City. It's so special. The Super Bowl, the draft, the new airport, Kansas City. Whataburger? Eh. Kansas City. (laughs) Honestly, it is impressive, though. Seriously, if you're from Kansas City, you've lived here your whole life. It's nice having these things. It's not L.A. It's not New York. It's not the East Coast. Central center of America, really. I mean, you are the heartbeat of America. We're right here getting all these things. You just love to see it, not getting overlooked, being forced to say, hey, we're here. We're proud. And the thing that the the Chiefs in Kansas City, the city does so well very quickly, they're synonymous with each other. The Chiefs in Kansas City, you don't have that same connection at every single place. Look in LA. They don't buy into the Rams. They don't buy into the Chargers. Does Las Vegas really buy into the Raiders? But Kansas City and the Chiefs are synonymous. The the city does a great job propping up the Chiefs. The Chiefs do a great job giving back. I just love seeing the sports community and the community at large join together, join forces. To me, it's a really special thing. Yeah, it's good to see Paris of the Plains get its due, right? Mm. Speaking of getting their due, number one, numero uno is who else? Quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Really, the MVP played a nearly perfect game. And that's evidenced by his 96 QBR ranking, which is almost perfect. And when you think about what he's doing on one one and a half leg, just incredible. He also had 0.52 EPA per play. And that's one of the highest numbers we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. So a lot of people are kind of saying, oh, but Jalen Hurts outplayed him because they're just looking at yards, right? And they're not really thinking about, well, the Chiefs were more efficient. And they also had a defensive touchdown, which kind of changed the time of possession a little bit. But he doubled up Jalen Hurts' EPA per play. And a lot of that is because he played mistake-free football. Uh, he didn't get sacked, didn't have a turnover. Hurts did. He got, he got sacked twice. One of them, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, Colin Saunders, the hustle in that play, it was technically a sack. wasn't wasn't a highlight sack. Chased him out one yard before the sticks. But if he doesn't, if ninety nine, the big ninety nine isn't hauling ass like that, faster than a guy of his size should be able to move. 
Jalen Hurts might get a first down there. And, and, and that was that was one of the plays that I think changed the game. You could probably single out a dozen to 15 plays that changed the game. That is one of them. So Hurts got sacked a couple times. I think Leo Chanel technically had the other one. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and watch the game. I don't really remember that. Maybe was it when he got a like stinger? It, they're basically very, very similar. But Colin Saunders is a refrigerator that is sprinting out at you. I, I would be terrified if Colin Saunders was sprinting after me. I'm not taking anything away from Jalen Hurts. He had the one play, the obviously the fumble that ended in a touchdown. That was the only bad play he made the entire game. I mean, Jalen Hurts was throwing dimes left and right. Whatever you think about Dallas Goddard Goddard and the catches, the ball was perfect. Uh, But Patrick Mahomes was perfect this game. He took care of the football, did what he was supposed to do. Uh, he controlled the offense. He helped lead a five-and-a-half-minute drive, five-minute, 15-second to ice the game and end it. He did everything he possibly could in this one. Shout-out to Jerick McKinnon for going down, by the way. He could have told all his kids, I scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl. But instead, he went down on the two-yard line, knowing the situation, being the veteran that he is. That was massive. But Mahomes just, just controlled the game. That's what made it so impressive. Uh, knew the situation and also fighting through the injury, re-injuring his ankle. We saw the pain. We saw the emotion, but no doubt in his mind or any of ours, he was going back out there and getting it done down 10 points. Didn't panic, kept his cool, calm, and collectiveness about him and got it done. Patrick Mahomes, crush those Coors lights and hopefully some Casey beer. Yeah, Mitch said this at the uh, the parade, but he's the first person this century to win both MVP and uh, Super Bowl MVP in the same year. Uh, just, we can't sing his praises enough. He's, he's the best. And at his age, to not only be carrying a team, because this is not what Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and other young quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls, they, they were getting, they were good but they were getting held up by great defenses and not being asked to do nearly what this guy's being asked to do, but also just the pocket presence uh, on that run. By the way, you said something earlier about Pacheco needing to become a better pass blocker. He threw his body out there on on that scramble. I was, I was proud of of number 10 for that, but on that, uh, on that scramble, he's got this little peak he does which I think it's like a John Elway end of his career kind of peak that he already has mastered. I'm just so impressed with not the, not the crazy 50 yard bombs that Mahomes is doing that he has just become this, this maestro who now controls every aspect of the game down to the slightest detail. He just got such a feel for everything that's happening. Isn't that the biggest his metamorphosis this season into that, isn't that what's impressed you maybe more than anything he's ever done? Yeah. And that's why I think he's just now starting to enter his prime, which is so scary for the rest of the NFL. The physical traits are still going to be there, but it's, it's the mental aspect. It's now seeing everything, knowing when to take the shot, knowing when to check down. And that honestly is very impressive and difficult to do. And you have that talent when your entire life, you've always been the best player. And you know you can make these throws, these difficult throws, the deep play, the plays that are game-changing. But sometimes the situation calls for you to check it down, to not make the big play, to control the clock. Mahomes learning this is the next step in his evolution. This is why I say Mahomes is just now entering his prime, and I can't wait. 
two championships already under the belt. I know we may be getting a little greedy here, but I, I just feel like there's still so much room that this team can can grow, and we're all along for the ride. It's so fun. And if he's Jordan, Travis Kelsey is Pippen, and we have to be greedy for as long as Pippen is here. We had so many good performances. Travis Kelsey didn't even make this list. So before we go, let's just touch on number 87. And he, he was helpful establishing the tone right from the get-go. He looked great. Uh, I think he got he got the Chiefs off to a hot, uh, hot start. Yeah. No, honestly, it was the Kelsey game really was to start it because Jason Kelsey bulldozed the offensive line through the Chiefs defense for a touchdown on the ground. And then you see Travis Kelsey the entire first drive saying, I'm taking over. And then he capped it off with a touchdown of his own. You're thinking this is going back and forth with a run game from the Eagles and Travis Kelsey. And then it turned out everyone else decided to make plays, not the run game for the Eagles and not as much Travis Kelsey for the, for the Chiefs. But still, got to give a huge shout out to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, Jason Kelsey is a bit of a conundrum because here's this, this nicest guy in the world who just lost a Super Bowl and then goes on a podcast with his brother and talks about after he lost, he's having tears of joy for his brother who won just in, in, in his mother and father, just an exceptional human being. But on the field, I tried, I, I saw him try to murder Trent McDuffie. He, he really did. He like damn near took little 21's head off. Yeah. And uh, just... Just a really intense, smart, Hall of Fame competitor himself. It was very cool to see them in the Super Bowl together. It's a bummer that one of them had to lose. I'm glad Jason Kelsey already got his ring because I think that's going to be essential to him getting into the Hall of Fame. And I think making it this week, you're a sinner. You don't really get the limelight. Being Travis Kelsey's brother, not that he's not on par or near on par with Travis Kelsey, but I think Travis Kelsey being a skill position player is just naturally going to attract more media attention. Uh, it, it was good to see Jason kind of get his due. Yeah, no, it, it truthfully is nice to see him get his due, making the offensive lineman position sexy, right? You're starting to get bigger names, recognize more offensive linemen. Uh, it, honestly, it makes it better for Creed Humphrey too. If you start recognizing Jason Kelsey, maybe the average fan, the casual fan will start saying, well, what positions play center? Well, let me look at other centers around the NFL, Creed Humphrey, up there as the best in the NFL, maybe he starts getting more love in his own right. Anybody else you want to single out? The fans. Give the shout out to the fans and a shout out to everyone who's, who's been along with us all season long, whether you joined last week, you've been with us the past, I don't know, two years almost. Uh, I just got to give a shout out to you guys. You've, I know this is corny. This is, this is me sucking up, but it's true. We couldn't do this without you guys. We didn't do this and no one listened. Why do it? We, we do appreciate everything you guys do from the from the Discord to the comments, even if it's a mean comment here and there, comments from other fan bases. Heck, Vlad the Impaler, I know you're a 49ers fan. You've been here all season long. We have Action Jackson, the Bills fan. We've had Bengals fans, but you Chiefs fans have been so great. And, and truthfully, it, it means the world to us. Again, we're not this massive conglomerate. This is the Arrowhead Addict podcast. We do it because we love Chiefs Kingdom. We try and bring a non-homer approach a lot of the time, but sometimes our our true heart bleeds through. Thank you, guys. It truthfully does mean a ton to us. I can't help that I bleed red and piss yellow. Oh, oh wait, everybody does. <laughs> but I'm glad it wasn't the opposite. Oh, yeah. So is my doctor. So is my doctor. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, for me, this is very special. And I want to thank you guys because when I started this with my brother back in 2007, the Chiefs, they weren't very good. And we couldn't have dreamed of having this kind of channel, this kind of fan base, and two Super Bowls in four years. And to be back for my first year back in over a decade for this Super Bowl season was just magical for me. So I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. That's all we have for Wacky Wednesday this week. Kind of fun episode. Uh, we will be back. Uh, and and Patrick and Matt will be here Thursday to discuss the game in more detail. Um, because I've got a cold, I'm not going to be on TikTok tonight. I think I'm going to do that tomorrow night, probably a longer session. I will let you guys know on Twitter. I'll go live on TikTok. It's fun. I'll, I'll just answer your questions about the big game. I, I don't think any of us are sick of talking about it yet, right? I probably won't be sick of talking about it for another month or two. But anyway, that's all we've got for you. Go Chiefs. Oh. Uh.